You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. On January 25th, we held the second in-person event during the Talking Taiwan election tour at the Pick Collage office in Taipei, thanks to John Fan, who's been a guest on episode 179 of Talking Taiwan. Many of our past guests, friends, and supporters were in attendance at the event. And what made the event extra special for us, of course, was the chance to meet some of our past guests in person for the very first time. In this episode, you'll hear me speaking with some of our previous podcast guests and a few people from the audience who also came up and spoke with me at our impromptu onstage podcasting booth. This episode bookends the Talking Taiwan election tour episodes, but we do have some other interviews that we recorded while we were in Taiwan. Those will be released at a later date. We are extremely grateful to our supporters and donors who made the Talking Taiwan election tour possible. By the way, if you'd like to listen to the episode featuring our first in-person gathering on January 19th at 4SC CrossFit, thanks to TSC, check out episode 273. And if you want the full visual experience, visit Talking Taiwan's YouTube channel where you can watch video footage from both of our in-person events. Welcome, everybody. Um, thank you so much for coming here today. I am Felicia Lin, in case you don't know. I'm the host of the Talking Taiwan podcast, and this is my partner, Kaji. I spoke to all of you individually, probably, <laughs> for at least 30 seconds. This is really a special night for us today because we haven't been back to Taiwan since the beginning of the pandemic. And um, a lot of our guests are here today and we haven't met a lot of our guests in person since we do our uh, podcast remotely. And so we made a point to come back here. We had a lot of support from our donors and supporters, some of them that are here today that we want to thank. And so we were funded to come back for this. And so we wanted to have this event to thank our friends, supporters, and guests. So there's lots of food and drink here, all thanks to our donors. I hope that all of you can meet each other, get to know each other. And we're going to, in a little bit, invite people if they want to come up and say something and let us know what they've been up to since the last time we talked. Maybe do a quick uh, 10 minutes or something yeah. like that. I see some of you know each other already. And everyone knows Jerome, so doesn't. But uh, it's great to see that people know each other and people have collaborated, you know, different circles. But uh, we're really happy to be here. And we're really especially happy to meet our guests. As I said to someone, I feel like I'm rated being movie stars, you know, <laughs> after you communicate with some people for a while and then you meet them for the first time. It's like quite a special experience. Yeah, really, really gratifying. And actually, we're going to be here until February 6th, so if any of you want to you know, meet us outside of this, because it's so hard, I really want to spend time to talk to everybody here, but I don't know if I'm really going to have you know, real conversations with people today, but if you want, like, please look us up, let us know, like, let's grab a coffee on some date. We're going to be here for um, a little over a week, so there's still some time. Great. All right, let's get rolling. Yeah. Okay. Anybody would like to volunteer to come up for the first sound bite? Okay. I don't know if I may. Yes, please. Yes. Yeah, sure. So please introduce yourself. And uh, turn to the camera. Oh, no, yes. We're going to sit here. Oh, for here. Okay, that's a different story. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, cool. and hi, Felipe. Felicia. Felicia. Uh, yes. Hi, everybody. And my name is Jenny Luol, and I'm currently a program producer at Tom Class, an English-speaking channel. Okay, wonderful. So, what should I see when I'm here? Because like, we could always use some suggestions of what we should see in town, and hear anything off the beaten path that you would recommend that we must there's a lot to do in Taiwan, Taipei, yeah. and then all the cities. And 
get to experience things that probably is different from, uh, from a lot of cities in New York, such as New York or San Francisco, but I would suggest you to come here to sample all the delicious foods and meet people who will take you out for more food. So get to know the city from its people and its food and explore the city's destinations randomly. That's how I like to stay on traveling. And so what's the life working for Tom? What exactly do you do there? I am developing programs. Currently I'm producing and hosting my own show, which has not been aired yet. It's called Anything Goes with JL. Oh. It's a fun, lighthearted, three-minute show that showcases interesting things, people, or experiences here in Taiwan. Okay. Um, are any particular things? Is it related to food? Is it related to culture, literature, art? Do you have any particular topics of interest that are your areas of interest? Or in my show? Yeah, for your show. It, the show literally has a name called Anything Goes. So you're open to all the suggestions. Uh, anything that you can think of in Taiwan that you think is fun, and I will go there and experience for you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. This is a very surprising interview. I thought I'll just be standing there. Oh, no, no. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sitting Thank you so much. Thank you. Eric, you want to come? Sure. I know I can pick on Eric. <laughs> Old friends, huh? Eric Chang, by the way, has been a Talking Taiwan guest several times on episodes 121, 127, and 231. I mean, Eric, how long have I known It's been like decades. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Because at the time, the day before, day before the election, DPP's internal polling had showed that Kuenza uh, had caught up oh. and that he was second uh -huh. and that they were only going to win by like 300,000. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that was what uh, internal mm -hmm. polls were. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty, I didn't really want to watch the, the, <laughs> the, the, the vote counting because it's always really nerve wracking. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, had to, I got called into the office. Oh. And, <laughs> You're forced to watch. You're yeah, paid I to, I to watch. watch the entire thing. <laughs> You're being paid. So. Yeah, I had to watch the entire thing, and then afterwards yeah, yeah. had to write an op-ed on it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the outcome. You know, I can finally, finally relax now. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Looks like everything's headed in the the right direction. You know, yeah. could have been a little bit better legislature, but you know, right, you know, right. a win's a win. And I know that you like to go hiking into the outdoors. Anything you would recommend that we try that's a little off the beaten path? I mean, there's. The greatest thing about Taiwan is, you know, if you drive two hours, anywhere you are in Taiwan, if you drive an hour and a half, yeah. just inland, you know, you can be in the mountains, you can be, I mean, Taiwan has thousands of waterfalls, you yeah. know, all over the place. And, you know, there's a lot of Facebook groups, there's a lot of people that have like post on it now, you know, okay. and so, yeah, we've met a ton of people like, because I'm usually based in Tainan. Okay. So, you know, a lot of, we go to like Pindong, Kaohsiung a lot, yeah. like um, sometimes Jiayi, and then I love getting out to the East Coast. East Coast is yeah, beautiful, yeah. East Coast is mm -hmm. beautiful, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's sometimes you don't always have much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like Taitong has definitely grown into, it's become one of my favorite places to go yeah, in yeah, Taiwan yeah. just because mm -hmm. there's nobody there. Yeah, yeah. There's like fewer people and... Uh, yeah, but I definitely would like to spend more time in the Northeast. Like, yeah. Elon's really beautiful. I've only mm -hmm. been there a couple mm -hmm. times. Okay, so I'm going to have to talk to you offline for some recommendations and yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
We'll keep it, we'll keep it moving. Thanks, yeah. Eric. Okay. Oh, we'll talk to you more later. Thank okay. you so much for coming. Okay, thank you, Eric. Eric. Next was Jane W. Wang, who was a guest back in episode 150. I don't even know how long it's been since the last episode, right? So Yeah, I looked it up <clears> just now. I think it's 2021. Wow, okay. <laughs> are you still doing the coaching thing, or what are mm-hmm. you doing these days? Yeah, so my work is still roughly similar. I mean, it's coaching, consulting, mm-hmm. facilitation. Mm-hmm. But a lot has changed sort of more internally. I think the biggest difference since we last talked, I started to go on a deeper inner journey. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Really, I stopped marketing. I just stopped all the activity that I was very used to in my life, like a very fast-paced life. Uh, And I really slowed down a lot, and I started to connect with plants and trees, and then that led me to uh, permaculture, which I don't know if some of you have heard of, Um, and then degrowth, which Mm -hmm. I'm I'm working on now. So Mm -hmm. I think it's the linking of a personal journey. I used to think, you know, I used to work with people, and I thought, climate stuff was for Mm -hmm. science people Mm -hmm. and um, I think for me it's starting to realize like how everything is connected truly Um, I I think I knew that theoretically but I think I'm starting to see that uh, a lot of our mental and physical crises in our lives the stress in our lives they come from a similar place like the system that we're currently in Mm -hmm. the capitalistic system Mm -hmm. you know and that also ecologically is uh being just, you know, it's the same engine behind the ecological destruction. So that's kind of what I'm interested in these days mm-hmm. in, is sharing and highlighting that connection so we can all see, uh, oh, yeah, a lot of our individual problems mm-hmm. that, were we, that things that we might blame ourselves or each other for actually have this larger systemic context. Right, and we've become so detached from the land or nature yes, and things exactly. like that because... Um, there's all these different constructs and things that we think are the things that give us value. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. And so actually, it's Eric was it, that spoke about mm-hmm. Yilan and, and Taidonghuan. I've started to explore, like went to this Spire Eco Village in um, Hualien and near the border of um, Taidong last year for oh, the first time. Yeah, okay. I stayed for a, a week uh, and had the best vegetables I have ever had in my life. <laughs> Just from the the family, the, the couple that, you know, and we mm-hmm. were cooking a lot of those vegetables, mm-hmm. and I actually turned mostly vegetarian just from that. Like, it wasn't, like, no moralistic argument could have turned me a vegetarian, <laughs> um, but just, like, <clears throat> trying actually really amazing vegetables did, and learning some of those recipes, and seeing how easy it is. And then lately, like tomorrow, actually, I'm going to visit what's this village in Yilan called Sengo Chun Sengo Village. Some of you might have heard of. It got a lot of media attention because through the years, because it's kind of like a channel through which people who aspire to do farming in Taiwan have a chance to do like people, anybody who wants to kind of like leave the system, (laughs) leave their nine to five. So people can have a plot and grow their own uh, food there. And they have like a way to introduce you in. And they've already solved a lot of the problems. So you can kind of do your own passions. I'm actually going to ask them if I have to farm rice. <laughs> um, but maybe I can farm my own vegetables. Or yes. whatnot. But yeah, I'll just yeah. learn more tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I'm trying to live in that way as well. Yes. Live my beliefs as well. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, cool. Good to see you. Yeah, good to yeah. see you too. Thank you for coming Thank by. You. Thank you. Karen Chung. A guest on episodes 217 and 219 also shared an update. Actually, before I even became the host, there were some episodes, and Karen was in that, and we brought you back, and Karen's a language teacher, and you have some really great tips to share about how is the best way to learn language, right? Yes, yeah. that came from my experience just living here and also teaching here. And at Taiwan University, we basically get the cream of the cream. We get the very best students who are very motivated and work very hard, but their listening and their speaking was just not very good in English. Right. And they kind of were aware of it themselves, and they would blame themselves. Oh, I'm not very good at listening. I'm not very good at this or that. And it's because you haven't been trained. Mm-hmm. So for a place that aspires to have English as another official language, they are missing a very, very important piece. And that oh. is, if you want to learn a language, you have to hear it. And if you don't have sound coming in, 
it's just not going to happen. You're just going to make up your own pronunciations. And I ask my students, do you think a foreigner learning Chinese that way would work? You know, I show you a picture of the tones, you know, the lines and everything. Are they going to get it that way? And they laugh. They go, no, of course not. I go, if it doesn't, doesn't work for Chinese, how in the world could it learn for, uh, work for English? And they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and ever since Mark Zuckerberg gave his speech in Chinese and they had to suffer through it for a whole minute, they realized that if you don't speak well, people are going to really suffer. <laughs> and so in general, since that time, they've been very motivated and... It's kind of our goal in the startup I'm working on with the former TA mm -hmm. to make people aware that you need listening and to help them provide with ways to listen and ways to train your ears so you're actually listening. Another thing is I realized it's not just an English problem. Mm -hmm. Chinese people actually don't listen to Chinese very well either, which is kind of funny. Okay. But one reason is because they read so well and they read so fast. Okay. If you can read fast, there's no reason to bother listening. And so a lot of people, if they watch TV or movies, they read through the whole thing. Oh, right. The subtitles, sure. That's right. And then one person said, you know, when I'm chatting with friends, I sometimes just wish there were subtitles there because I can't catch everything. <laughs> They're so unused to listening. Wow. So that's kind of one thing we're working on in the startup now. We have our first product is going to be an app called Earbug. Okay. Yes. So it's to train the listening. That's right. So, for example, we have a minimal set. So, like, bit, bid, beat, bead. We can hear they're all very different, but for Taiwanese, they might be bit, 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 bit. Right. But once you present them to their ear and they can compare them, they say, oh, they're really quite different. And we've gamified it. So I say beat. You click on the correct one, move on to the next one. Then you can move up to a different level. Maybe it's ooh and ooh, like look and Luke. And so that's how we kind of want to address this problem. Okay. So do you have any idea when this app's going to launch? Maybe we should have you on when you're ready to talk about it more. Hopefully in 2024. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sounds good. Sounds mm -hmm. good. Such a pleasure to meet you in person. Great to meet you in yeah, person. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. We also heard from Elias Eck, one of our guests from an early episode, episode 59. Right. Radio on the stage, what a yeah. cool thing. Elias, my goodness. You were one of the episodes before Kaju even came on as the, the sound engineer. And then we were talking earlier how you actually had an early career in radio, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back when I was a teenager. That's crazy. Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Because other people yeah, don't know. Yeah, so... Sweden has a, a really interesting system where nearly every city has a uh, FM radio station owned yeah. by the government, mm -hmm. and uh, nonprofits can rent airtime on those. So when I was 14 years old, I saw a sign in my uh, junior high school saying they were looking for students who wanted to get involved in a radio show. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I did that for... Um, you know, six years until I was, you know, leaving Sweden. And then I mm -hmm. went to the U.S. and mm -hmm. studied radio yes. TV. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And so we were talking about how you think that's, like, really shaped you. Like, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, how many 14, 15-year-olds, you know, get to take a uh, broadcasting license, right? Because you, you need to, you know, have a license to be on an FM station right. and get to have a press pass so you can, you know, show that you're a journalist. Uh -huh. And then we had to do budgeting, and we had to plan it all oh, out. Wow. And I think that whole project management and working mm -hmm. together as a mm -hmm. team, mm -hmm. I think, has really helped me as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about that. So for people don't, that don't know, Elias is involved with something called the Dragon's Chamber, which in the U.S. the equivalent is like the Shark Tank. If anyone's ever seen that TV show, and... And it's been going on for like... Just did eight. Oh, eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, I came to Taiwan in year 2000. Mm -hmm. I started a company in my third month in Taiwan, and I've started many since. And, you know, it's hard to start a company always. Yes. But doing it in a country where you might not speak the language and you might not have right. all your friends and family... Right is double, triple, quadruple hard. Right. So, so Dragon's Chamber is something we started eight years ago, and it's specifically to help immigrant entrepreneurs in Taiwan. 
Because if we compare uh, Taiwan with countries like the U.S., uh, U.K., Canada, and so on, the rate of entrepreneurship among the foreign residents here is very low. Okay. And I think this is, you know, not just not good for the immigrants that have a hard time starting something, mm -hmm. but I think it's not good for Taiwan either. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can get more creative people coming here and, and starting companies that maybe then can connect out with the world again, yeah. I think Taiwan would win. So what are some of the success stories that have come out of the Dragon's Chamber? So Dragon's Chamber caters to very early stage companies. Okay. And we, we have a lot of companies. So we have over the last, we all, every year we have five finalists that get a go up on a big stage during the mm -hmm. Me Taipei. Mm -hmm. And out of the 40 finalists, half of them are still in business, which is already a, a nice check mark. Yes. But with, for example, we have an English language school that mm -hmm. was part of our program, I think, five years ago. And, um, you know, they are growing like crazy. So between 2022 and 2023, they grew 50%. Wow. And have, you know, uh, students and parents that are waitlisted to get in there. Mm -hmm. We have companies like Paka, for example, that makes an electric motorcycle okay. for the U.S. market, which is, you know, really cool. We have a lot of fantastic uh, people from all over the world uh -huh. that, for whatever reason, have come to Taiwan uh, and decided to start their company here. And so what's your latest venture? My latest venture, what I'm spending most of my time on these days, is Kigo. Yes. So Kigo is a, um, we make uh, e-bikes for delivery couriers. Oh. So if you're thinking Uber Eats, Food okay. Panda, Fedora. Okay. Um, you know, there's about 30 million couriers in the world. Uh -huh. And most of them are still driving around on a fossil fuel scooter. Um, so our mission is to help them to switch to e-bikes instead, which is going to save like 98% of the CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's what most of my time today is being spent on. Oh, great. Exciting. Well, thanks so much for coming today yeah. and sharing. Thank you very much. And thank you for to you more. inviting me up. I also spoke with Brian Bodden, a guest from episodes 184 and 185s. Brian, yeah. so good to meet you. I, th I believe you're a podcaster now, right? I am, yeah. So yeah, tell yeah. us about your podcast and how that's going. Well, yeah, uh, if you remember when, when we had our uh, discussion on your, yes. on your podcast, yes. I, w I was just thinking about it. Right. I was kind of like yeah. still trying to investigate and, you know, it's, it's a lot to do, right? Yeah. So I finally took the plunge yes. and it's about English uh, idioms, phrases, slangs and things like that yes and actually i've, de I've been recently delving into uh, british and australian slangs uh, as well or, uh, idioms uh, which is kind of fun because i get to use some funny voices there oh really accents, oh you know. really you do accents <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah it's a little bit goofy but yeah oh cool <clears throat> how many episodes are you up to now? well i just released the 38th on uh, tuesday so okay. it's been 38 weeks since i started it which okay. so may of last year Oh, great. Thank you very much for the vote of confidence. <laughs> I'll send you a link. Yeah, so what else is new? <laughs> well, that's, that's the most interesting thing, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Everything else is kind of uh, similar. Yeah. I'm doing a, pretty much the same that I was doing when I talked to you yeah. last time, okay. which was working part-time at uh, English language uh, publisher. Right, learning, right. And uh, you had Karen on here yes, earlier. Right, and Karen, yes, I see yes, sometimes Karen in the office there, yes. because she does some recording for the... Ivy, uh, right, right. analytical English yeah, yeah. and whatnot. So I work there part-time and I do okay. some writing. And then I also, one day a week, I'm at ICRT radio station. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so I read the news on Saturdays. Okay. And I do some uh, business English teaching as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. And some voice work sometimes. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Sure. And what's the name of your podcast? Oh, yeah. Okay, here's the yes. plug. Give right. the plug. Let here's everybody the plug. know. It's called If the Phrase Fits. If the Phrase Fits. Right. Okay. Right. So anyone so who's on, uh, yes. into language. And Available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts, <laughs> as they say. Thank you, Okay, Felicia. great. Thank, Thank you. you. So nice to find yeah. you, too. Yeah. Nice to see you. Baseball broadcaster Richard Wong, who was a guest on episode 77, also stopped by. Richard, so nice to have you here. Thank and you for I, I was so surprised. You were like one of the first people to RSVP for this event and so enthusiastic. I love that. Well, that's really a good thing about it. being a freelancer. So I don't have the nine to five job. And I think it's also very good that when I learned they were going to be doing this program here, yes. right next to the dome, I was yeah. very happy about it because it's, I mean, coming from the baseball 
background and being able to work with the dome for the past few years and finally see the dome there, although it's not completely complete yet. Okay. Yeah, there are still a lot of um, little mice in there as a construction <laughs> site. But it's good that we start to have some games in there. And I'm, right now I'm working on a... Um, the Japanese team is coming next uh, this March, the Yomiuri Giants. Mm-hmm. They're celebrating their 90th anniversary. So they are <clears throat> kicking off their um, celebration event in Taiwan first. Oh, so okay. So they're going to play two games there Okay. Uh, on the March 2nd and 3rd. So that's probably the most important thing I'm working on right now. And yeah. But last year, I went to a lot of places for the baseball games. Uh-huh. I even went to China for the, uh, the Asian games. Okay. Had a fight with the communists. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Do you want to talk about that or no? Nah, it's okay. He, he wasn't a professional, so uh, I was mad about him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. Okay. I was helping the uh, the baseball part mm-hmm. for the uh, the sports presentation. Everything went well. So, although the um, Taiwan team didn't get the gold, you know, mm-hmm. we lost to Korea. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Baseball Federation of Asia, who's the actually who's also the Chinese Taipei Baseball Association's mm-hmm. president, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Ku. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very upset about it because mm-hmm. he had to, uh, as a head of the Baseball Federation of Asia, he had to present the gold medals mm-hmm. to the Korean team. Oh. So he was not happy about that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. part of the games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from 2020 to now, I'm glad to see that the, uh, from this year, the local baseball league will have six teams. It's okay. going to be the first time since 2009. Oh, really? So it's okay. been a while since we only yeah. had four teams and then okay. five teams, and now we will have six teams. Oh, okay. It'll be good. And there'll be maybe 20 games over there in okay. the dome. Okay. Yeah, it's more expensive to play the game there oh, yeah. for the clubs, but it's mm-hmm. going to bring more money in there yeah, for yeah, the full yeah. clubs. So they're trying to put some games in there, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm pretty sure that with, with a very good facility there, it's mm-hmm. going to help baseball in Taiwan to develop. Yeah. At the end of this year, we're going to have the Premier 12. Okay. Japan and Korea will come here, and maybe next year, or maybe the year afterwards, uh, we have the WBC here mm-hmm. as well. So uh, with, we, we do need a dome, especially in, in the summer times. It rains so a there, lot. Yeah. there's more temperature control. And they oh, yeah, can, it's and very can, comfortable in yeah. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice yeah. in there, just you know, being a fan, mm-hmm. watching the game. Mm-hmm. All the fans love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, believe that it's going to help uh, baseball to, to develop. Great, great. Anything else that you want to talk about? Well, just that it, you know, if anybody has just drop by and come support and watch, the dome. yeah, support the <laughs> dorm, yeah, it shouldn't be that expensive. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to charge everybody like how they charge in, in the states for the major league <laughs> price. Right. Yeah, and now we're trying to bring some uh, high-profile games. Okay. Into the dorm. Great. Thank great. you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. We also I wanted to thank um, the co-founders of Picolage for hosting us today. I don't know if John or Jaime is, are here, but they very kindly offered us the space when they heard that we were coming back to Taiwan so that we could have this event today. Here's John Fan, one of the co-founders of Picolage, who's been a guest on Talking Taiwan and invited us to host our event there. Welcome to our, our space. Uh, we just moved into this office. We completed this office in August of, of this of last year. So uh, we, uh, so we're a Picolage company. Uh, so what we do is we have an app. Well, in general, we build software for creative AI. This is what we're working on now. Uh, and Picolage is an app that lets you make collages, cards, uh, social media posts. And uh, we launched it over ten years ago. It's uh, done pretty well in terms of getting a lot of downloads and uh, more recently we figured out how to get people to start paying a little bit for, for the app so we have some subscribers and uh, you know, a business model there and then we're using that to build other other apps so we uh, I think Jaime was downloading some apps so we built like a, an app that the style transfer with, with uh, it's Snapjoy and like a, another app that uh, lets you put your face into any meme and sort of playing around with all these great new things that are possible generative AI. So anyway, that's what we're doing. Thank you for coming to our office today. And uh, if you want, later on, I can take you for a tour of the office. So thank you. Yeah. Yay. All right. Jerome Keating was the only Talking Taiwan guest who made it to both of our in-person events. He's been a guest on episodes 
97, 98, and 186. Jerome Keating, one of our most popular episodes about the history of Taiwan. Your episode continues to be one of the most popular for our podcast. Well, that's nice to hear. I always like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what should we talk about today? Because we talked a little bit about the election last week. but Right. Yeah, we talked about the election. And yeah, I'm trying to think on it's kind of the question of where Taiwan is heading you know, in a way, it always surprises me. Everyone, you know, wants to put pressure on the Taiwan president. Don't rock the boat. Don't do this. You know, no one ever says, really, China is the aggressor continuously. China is the one that is always acting out of line. And no one says, you know, you don't really have a case. You know, again, the... Uh, I won't swear this time like I did last time, but uh, you know, I ended up. I always amazed at how people say, "Well, you know, well, you know, don't do this to Taiwan, or don't do this, play it safe in the middle." But no one ever talks to China and says, "Look, you're the one that has a problem. You, you know, have no real case, you know." And no one, of course, reads the history. <laughs> San Francisco Peace Treaty, yeah. you know, China's not there. The uh, China is not the Qing Dynasty. The Qing Dynasty were Manchus. Japan well, was the first one to really control the whole island. So there's there's a lot that people don't know outside Taiwan, and many people in Taiwan don't know. So right, yeah. If we look at some historical dates and things too, right? When was the ROC founded? When was the period? Yeah, the Communist so. Party founded all those kinds of things. Yeah. But you know, I, I you know, having lived here so long and continuously listened to parachute journalists come here mm -hmm. or outsiders come in and say, "Well, you really should do this or you really should do that." Mm -hmm. and I say, "Why don't you go to China and tell them <laughs> what they should really do?" <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so but it's good to have you guys here reporting on Taiwan, talking to a lot of good inside people, see what's going on at ground level. But um, anyway, I think, you know, I'm that's I talked last time, so I'll just say hello and uh, yes. brought this friend Nancy Baldwin. Yes. If you have time, I shared a very interesting book that uh, yes. I, I had got involved in, and I think she'd probably be a good one for your people to know as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that could probably be a separate episode for sure, yeah. Nancy has a very interesting story. You just uh, finished writing a book, right, about right. your life story? Right. Well, thank you very much for providing me with this opportunity. But what I just, the only reason why I want to show you this is that Jerome, of course, is my mentor, and he kind of helped me finish up the book. Yes. And so the book, the title is 1,000 Layers of Water and Clouds, but actually is about the tale of a Taiwanese daughter. So what it is is I started with my story, yes. but actually it's not my story. It's a story of young girls um, who was given away or who was so in this case for me when I was five years old. But what's unique about this is that I was sold to a sex worker, if you want. Uh, I called her the substitute wife who mm -hmm. serviced the American GI during the 1950s. Like a bar girl. A bar girl. More than just a bar yes, girl. Of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> right. But I called her bar girl. Yes. So it's, it's about the struggle of a young girl where you don't really fit in into the Taiwanese society, neither do you fit in into the American mm -hmm. society, so because you're not supposed to be known. So a young girl struggle with that. But on the other hand, you're talking about the bar girl, you know, how that was when she was 18 years old and start working in a bar service mm -hmm. in American GI uh, in order to, to make the money. So the whole book is pretty much about that. And then, of course, is an immigration, you know, immigrant story where I went to the United States. I was one of the very, very lucky ones that I was able to go to the United States rather than being sold to the brothel, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about that. And uh, the whole, whole thing is about understanding, healing, about forgiving. And I think that's important. But most important is I want these books to be inspirational mm -hmm. to young girls uh, who 
had dreams but don't know how to get there. And so I want to be able to help the girls to sort of learn how to be who they are and become who they are. And more importantly is uh, to tell the story of the women like my mother, who was a bar girl, uh, who had no voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this book has kind of become like a mouthpiece for those women who has no voice. That's wonderful. So, I mean, I can't even imagine what it takes to write a book like this. Like, what, what was it that like, mm. motivated you to feel that you needed to tell this story? Well, it took me almost 12 years, right? Okay. And um, it's always about wanting to know why, right? I mean, when you're a child, when you have no stability, mm-hmm. right? It's because I was passed on from one person mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. other. Uh, so somehow, when you are traumatized in such yes. a way, eventually you're going to have to deal with it. So most of people don't deal with it, and I think that's why it's so important for me to be inspirational people is that I was saying to one of the lady back there is like, five years old, you're going to decide you want to die or you want to live, right? You can throw yourself in a well and die, or you want to live. So if you're going to live, how are you going to live it? Mm -hmm. And so that's how you create an environment for yourself. So it's courage. Mm-hmm. And not to be afraid and take risks. Where did, how did you? Where did that courage come from? Ah, that courage is I'll show you, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, it's about that. You know, it's like the the self worthiness. You know, about well, what? Why is this happened to me? Of course, I'm somebody. Of course, I'm worthy of something. So I'm going to show you. But right? like, you had that seed of that feeling, or did somebody like say that you? are worth something or like was that just some feeling that you had inside that I deserve this or yeah. it, it, it's a journey you know it's really a journey that you go through uh, I think when I had my children uh, when my son was five years old mm-hmm. so it's that mm-hmm. you know one of those things right five years old and that's when you kind of start thinking about whoa I'm a mom I'm a, mm-hmm. a mother and mm-hmm. this is how I relate to my children or well, what happened to me you know so that's where you kind of start dealing with it. And I think it was doing my, uh, when, my, when my son was five years old and when my daughter was two, mm-hmm. that I started to, to kind of come through it. Um, but anyway, in a book, he has a lot of different things that talked about the journey. Uh, in the U.S., it wasn't a really good, smooth passage either, you know, and I was supposed to be studying the MBA, you know. You were telling me earlier you couldn't even speak English <laughs> no, when you no. went to use. That's really hard to believe. Right. I did not, I mean, you know, in Taiwan, when you are in Zhongxue, right, you learn the fundamental of the ABC mm-hmm. and in grammar, right? right? And then you read a little bit. But the conversational English is almost Yes, yeah, so, so you heard, like, Karen knows right. it too, too well. Exactly. To about, yes. And even today, you know, that's what I'm saying is, you know, it, it, it's sort of, I'm excited to be back in Taiwan mm-hmm. because I just feel like I have a place here to be able to help young girls or young, young people, yes. period, yes. who are so afraid to make a, you know, a mistake when they speak Mm-hmm. Right, and they're afraid. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what to say. Mm-hmm. They know how to read English. They know how to speak it, mm-hmm. but they are afraid mm-hmm. because they don't want to make a mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to tell these young people, which who I engage with quite a lot nowadays, mm-hmm. is don't be afraid. Take a risk. So what's the worst case? People yeah. laugh at you. So what? Yeah. Right. And so is that kind of attitude, I think, the fighting attitude, I guess yes, you call yes, it. Yes, yes, the fighting spirit. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I definitely want to have you on because I have to like look through your book and we'll have like a more full episode because there's so much rich okay. content that we could talk about. Like, just, I think trauma has become like a very big topic in general public because we usually think of trauma as being mm. something mm. that's very like catastrophic or disastrous, but it doesn't have to be. I think it could even be just something that um, was unresolved that you carried mm. uh, throughout you that you didn't know how to deal with. That can be a form of trauma. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the reason why I abandoned my MBA program and went into <laughs> clinical social work. And I actually was a therapist for about almost seven and a half years. And just try to understand that whole thing about the trauma, right? About trauma, yeah, yes. right, right. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, you know when I was working in Napa State Hospital mm-hmm. for about two and a half years to do my uh, my graduate work, 
And that's when you really open your eyes about the whole mental health system is just not working in the U.S. And I think in Taiwan is like it will beginning to change, but I think it's taboo, right? Yes. I mean, as you all know, that mental health in Taiwan is taboo. You don't talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Just the way it is, go on. You know, what are you thinking about? But I know it's a big problem, and uh, we're going to have to talk about it. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Well, thank we'll, you very we'll much. To, we'll definitely have Okay, so if you would like, oh, I'll present well, this book so to you. Much. Yes, thank sure. You <laughs> Can you take a picture of this? Thank you. Okay. Yes, thank you. Can we take a picture? Later on, I asked Elias to come back again and share some of his thoughts. Elias, we had an interesting conversation. You want to come up and share some things that we were talking about? I'd like to get this on the record. It's kind of interesting. Since we were talking about language, actually, it's a very interesting theme here, right? Because we have Karen, who's the teacher, right? She does language. And then we had Brian, who has his podcast about idioms. And then we were talking about language and certain terminology and connotations. And in Taiwan, we have this tendency to use this word foreigner, right? And like, what's your beef with that? So I feel, I've been here for 24 years. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I feel like the word foreigner, which could apply to somebody who has never been to Taiwan, yes. and to apply that to somebody like myself, I feel like that is contributing to the division of you know, the local Taiwanese people and those of us, the foreign residents and mm-hmm. so on, that has made this you know, country our home. So my event, Dragon's Chamber, we used to call it an event for foreign entrepreneurs. Yes. And for the last two years, I changed this to an event for immigrant entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, so I, I think this is an important point that maybe could make lawmakers or banks and so on to, to have to, uh, you know, sit up and listen and think about, well, this person has lived here for a long time. Maybe we shouldn't... Um, other them, it's the yeah. othering. It's mm-hmm. it's a yeah an assumption of otherness, right? Yes, yes. Because you know, immigrant, any foreigner who you know walks into a bank here, you know, knows that no matter how good their Chinese is, um, when they walk into a bank, there's going to be people there who you know. They, they run for the hills. Holy shit, here yeah, comes this oh, foreigner. No, I, don't, I can't like, speak to yeah, them. Yeah, I can't speak English. And, and, and you know, even yeah. if you speak Chinese to them, they're like, you know, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Right, right. And then it was kind of funny. The other term was uh, the jiao. Yeah. It's common, right? By the way, jiao is a phrase that is commonly used in Taiwan as a form of encouragement. It literally means to add oil or gas and can be interpreted to mean keep going or step on the gas. So, you know, I'm invested now in two companies that have to do with electric vehicles. And, and, you know, a lot of companies now, of course, we were, you know, trying to increase the amount of renewable energy. Mm -hmm. So I just had this epiphany a couple of years ago. It's like, well, we say Jayo all the time. You always oil. Oil is bad for us and killing our planet. So we should change (laughs) that to Jadian, right? and it was so funny, it's a couple of years ago when I, I put the slide on the, at the Dragon's Chamber, mm-hmm. I put it up there, mm-hmm. and it said, Jia Dian. And the person who was, uh, who was managing the slides at this event, he's like, um, And I was like, thank you for noticing. Yeah. No, I did not write it wrong. It was really on purpose that I yeah. did that, and then I had a chance to, yeah, you know. Yeah, make a point. Yeah, make yeah, a point. Yeah. A quick point of clarification for non-Chinese speakers. The word dian means electricity, and the literal translation of jia dian is add electricity. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's kind of my, my, a little bit of my, my, my language crusade is to try to get as many pop people as possible, stop saying jiao, okay. and then change it to jia dian. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Gus is here. Gus, I have to point out Gus in the back. Gus is actually the original producer of Talking Taiwan. So a lot of people think that Kaj and I are like the founders were, but actually 
Talking Taiwan wouldn't be around if it wasn't for Gus back there. So Gus was the original producer, and he um, sent me a message on LinkedIn and said, I'm looking for a female talent, voice talent for this podcast. And I'm like, podcast? Oh, I think I know what that is. Not quite sure. There was like 2012, and I was thinking, I don't think I know anyone to recommend to him, but I sure do care about Taiwan, and why don't I volunteer myself? So I volunteered myself to be the host, and so Gus and I worked on it for several years, and then you know, a couple years passed, and in 2018, he said he was going to step back, and he's like, feel free to go with it, and the rest is history, and then Kaju came on, and we're still here almost 10 years. But thank you very much, Gus, for all of your friendship and support through the years and giving me this opportunity to um, do Talking Taiwan. Yeah. Thank you. And finally, we heard from Dylan Black, a Canadian who has resided in Taiwan for a long time. So, Dylan, um, Jerome invited you here today, right? He did. We've been good friends for a long time. I was so glad that he introduced me to all of you. Um, I've lived here not quite as long as he has, but um, I first came to Taiwan in 1998. Oh, okay. Yep. Wow. So, I've actually lived in Taiwan for... Nearly half oh, my life. Okay. I was 25 years old when I first came. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. What brought you here in the beginning? Um, to teach English. Most of my time was teaching up in Dan Shui, okay. which is a beautiful town, yes. if people don't know, on the north yes. coast, yes. teaching university there. Mm-hmm. And I was there for... Yeah, most of my time in Taiwan, I spent up in Dan Shui. Okay. Um, and then just recently, I have moved to... I'm teaching at a Canadian school in uh, China, in okay. Dongbei, okay. what they used to call... Man- in history books, they would call Manchuria. Oh, okay. And so I'm living in Shenyang, which is way okay. up in that, in that region. Okay, and how long have you been there? Now, just about five months. I just oh, started, okay. started at the beginning of this year. Yeah, yep, how's so, that been? Um... I like it up there. It's always interesting to live in a new place. And, of course, I'm I'm constantly comparing it to Taiwan because I lived in Taiwan (laughs) for so long. Um, It's very cold up there. Um, I'm from Canada, so I know something about the cold. What part of Canada are you Nova Scotia. So the East Coast. You grew up in Ottawa. My aunt and uncle who are from uh, Vancouver are here. Right. Oh, I was was talking to your uncle. If you're from Ottawa, you would know something about the cold. Um, So in Shenyang, in the last two months or so, it's been minus double digits um, every every day. Mm -hmm. If it goes up to zero degrees, people are quite quite happy. So (laughs) Um, how is it like... What's the difference between living in China and Taiwan? Like anything you want to highlight or... The, the first thing I always look at is the food situation. Oh, <laughs> and yes. Food up there is quite good. It's quite spicy. Oh, yeah. Um, people are big beer drinkers up there. Okay. They have a lot of lamb skewers, okay. a lot of lamb and, and beef barbecue. Okay. And so your sort of typical restaurant where I live, which is kind of in the outskirts of the city of Shenyang, would be kind of beer and barbecue. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to get the shellfish. You're not going to get the oysters and the mm-hmm. shrimp that we get here. But the food is pretty good, I think. And people there seem to be, um, they seem to enjoy going out even in that very cold weather. Oh, yeah. One of the things that surprised me is sort of the coldest weeks just before Christmas. The hot pot restaurants were full and the bars were full. So I'm impressed, you know, I'm impressed with many things up there. I miss the seafood in Taiwan. Um, I miss many things about Taiwan, but uh, but it's been an interesting experience Mm -hmm. for sure. So you think you're going to be spending more time there? Well, sort of a funny thing. I was working until January the twelfth. I came immediately to Taiwan. I missed. I missed it so much. Oh, <laughs> so what I, do you miss about Taiwan? Um, many, many things. I miss my friends here. One thing I'll say is because Taiwan is such a com- compact country, you could always go on these lovely day trips. I was just in Dashi, you know, Dashi yeah. uh-huh. in Taoyuan last uh-huh. week. And, you know, you could always get out of the city of Taipei mm-hmm. or if you're in Kaohsiung, same mm-hmm. thing, Taichung, same mm-hmm. thing. And you can be in the mountains or on the coast almost instantly. Okay. So I can see that where I'm living in Shenyang, you can certainly go places, but everything's much more, uh-huh. much more spread out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you will not be taking, I don't think, as many kind of 
weekend day trips. Mm-hmm. You'll have to wait until you have real time off. Mm-hmm. Um, so Taiwan is still the world's most convenient country, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, some sort of funny things. I, I speak, I like to think I speak Chinese, but up there, <laughs> the accents are different. Yeah. If I'm at the 7-Eleven, they don't have yes. 7-Eleven, but they have something called Lawson, which okay. I think comes from Japan. Okay. Um, if I wanted to say, yeah, 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 I want a bag. They would say, yeah, yeah, Dar. <laughs> there's there's quite a curling yes, R into their right. to their accent. Yeah, 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 right. So at the beginning, right now, I'm trying to communicate with local people, and it's just taking a little bit longer because, you know, because the the, the accent, accent the yeah. accent of the di- right. probably dialect, I guess, yeah, make, makes sure a big difference. Yeah, a lot of colloquialisms are a little bit different. And a lot of colloquialisms yeah. that I probably yeah. haven't learned yet. Yeah, yeah. So I'm enjoying it. It's an adventure. I certainly like to tell local people that I lived in Taiwan before. Well, what's their reaction when you tell them that? Usually, the first thing they say is "Wow, and and Piaoyang the Difan," and they're 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 sort of really they're sort of really they're sort of really impressed impressed oh, to hear nice. about it. The flip side of that is some people I find my Western friends don't really want to talk about oh, the sure. you know the political situation sure, so sure, i might sure. get comments like oh so you're going back to the island oh. the island they don't necessarily oh. want to utter the word mm. taiwan <laughs> so that's you know which is kind of hard for me because so much yeah. of my background yeah, is in taiwan yeah, yeah. but i have to see it from those foreigners perspective who have lived there for mm. a long time mm. and they're probably thinking in terms of the controversy yeah. i find local people don't I haven't yeah. had any trouble oh, with that's that. That's interesting. So I like it, but I will certainly come back to Taiwan yeah. any chance yeah. I get. Oh, I think great. in the next couple of years I will, I will move back here because every time I leave, Taiwan calls me back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Nice to meet you. Well, thank you very and much. I hope you're, yeah, enjoy the. Okay. Night. Thank you, Felicia. This episode bookends the Talking Taiwan election tour. To learn more about the guests you heard from in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There we'll share links to their past episodes. So what are you waiting for? To support the Talking Taiwan election tour, visit TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support or share this episode with a friend. Now it's time for you to show us some love Rate us on Spotify, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There we'll list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.